Hello and welcome back to the Redundant Rufus Podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing okay, but I'm a little better because I got to do a podcast. It's been 29 days, and I know for my subscriber base, they've just been itching to get my take on the next random topic. I just I just know it. So with that being said, today's chapter, 16, talks about something different. It's not about ghosts and ghouls or supernatural or Tolkien or filler episodes. This is about proselyting missions. Before you change the channel, hear me out. I just want to talk about my experience in a proselyting mission capacity or proselyting missionary capacity. I'm not going to focus on the spiritual side. I'm going to focus more on the logistical, technical, day-to-day relationships. Just I feel a big part of serving proselyting or even a service mission is deals with the day-to-day things you have to deal with relationships life just happens obviously wonderful things happen when you fully commit yourself to that selfless capacity of serving other people but i just wanted to talk about everything else there are a million and one podcasts and youtube channels that talk about the spiritual side of things and i'm not demeaning that at all i'm just talking about something that i don't believe is spoken about too much Every missionary is a person, is a human being. We have our hopes and dreams, we have our strengths, we have our weaknesses, and oftentimes we see the world a certain way, but we're paired up with someone who sees it a bit different, or one's an introvert, one's an extrovert, and so on. They can get dicey, things can get testy, and it affects what you do. So I'm going to talk about that kind of stuff. Just to give some context, I was a full-time missionary, from 2005 to 2007 for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Before I realized I needed to serve a mission, I didn't want to. Now, the teenage side came out a lot because anytime someone brought it up, I automatically thought they were forcing me to do it, that I had no choice, no wiggle room, no way to get out of it. I was That was all in my head. Typically, the age range for serving missions is 18 to 25. I was 20 when I left. That's when I was more ready, I guess, or prepared as much as I could be to serve a mission. The long and short of it, realized that I may not have wanted to, but something bigger than me was at work, and I needed to serve a mission. And it is one of the most rewarding experiences I have ever had in my life. And up to that point in my life, it was the best two years, plain and simple. Now, with missionary service, it isn't as easy as saying, you know, I just want to serve. I just want to go do a mission. I want to go to Zimbabwe or Bolivia or Tallahassee, Florida. Serving a mission is a structured, formal um, responsibility. And you will be officially representing, as we believe, not just Jesus Christ, but also our religion, our beliefs. You wear it on your sleeve every day. And preparations for serving a mission starts with a desire, obviously, and thereon after there's your own preparations. There's mental preparation, there's spiritual preparation, physical preparation, of course, because you're constantly active. The point of being a missionary is not to just sit on the couch and just wait for miracles to happen or expect blessings to flow down from heaven, or thinking that, yep, yeah, I can get all the work I need to get done just sitting here and thinking really hard about good things. No. You gotta go and do. 
So preparing for a mission starts with a desire. And once you have that desire, or once I did, I approached my bishop or my ecclesiastical leader and expressed my interest to serve a mission. They provided me with an application form. Now, this was 18 years ago, a little more than, before I left for my mission. The application process then was very stringent, very specific, and it wasn't meant to be done overnight or inside of a week because they really want to make sure this is what you want to do. This is something you... Uh, you know, are going to plan for, you're going to prepare, because you're going to be taking on an incredible responsibility, and they want to make sure that you're up to the task. Serving a mission is not free. I'll get to that in a moment. But the preparation, you look through the the application form, and I don't know what the, the requirements are today for today's missionaries. I'm confident it isn't too different. I mean, the digital era or digital age has really shot off since, you know, I served a mission. When I came home, missionaries were starting to carry cell phones and have Facebook accounts. And I'm like, wait, what? So the application process was, again, very stringent, very specific. And it outlined things like, where would you like to serve a mission? Not that you can choose, but where would you like to serve? You needed to go see a doctor, get a physical. If you have dental work or other pre-existing medical conditions, do what you can to take care of them, like dental work. But pre-existing conditions, sometimes that may preclude someone from serving a mission, at least in a proselyting capacity. But that doesn't mean they can't serve. There are many opportunities that our church gives individuals who desire to serve. And I think that's a very, very uh, great blessing. Some of the uh, physical preparations, of course, were dental work. Now, I hadn't visited a dentist much in my life up to, up to that point. But I was very grateful to have uh, friends who were attending the local dental school because as a dental school, if you have a filling, that's two appointments. The first appointment is you go and the dental student checks you and their supervisor makes sure that what they did was correct or that what the student did was correct. And then you schedule an appointment to come back. The dental student applies the filling or whatever work you need to get done and then the supervisor quality check. So it, it was a drawn out process and it took a few months for that to to uh, get settled. And it was free, at least at the time it was for me, that I didn't have to um, uh, pay anything for my dental work because I was doing a service for these, these dental students. Regarding physical work, I wasn't exactly the most physical individual. I'm sure I liked the outdoors, but I preferred not being outdoors. Now, that didn't mean I went cross country or did a triathlon, you know, every other week to prepare. No, I just, I tried my best to to exercise, to to eat well. There's, of course, the spiritual preparation. And spiritual preparation involves understanding more about my beliefs. And so that's consulting the scriptures, words of our church leaders, and being prayerful and serving others And that really helped with the spiritual preparation. And mental preparation was just, for me, accepting that if if I'm going to do this, I'm doing it. I'm committed. There's no taking a step back. There's no easy way out or free parking. I'm committed to it. And that was something I tried to get in my head as well, just to have that mantra. Like, I I don't know what it's going to be like. But all I know from what I hear, it's going to be very difficult. 
It's something that I have never done before, completely new experience or way of life. So I just need to prepare mentally that it's going to be difficult at times, but I need to remember rewards come after difficulty. So I, I filled out and there were other questions and other things you had to do in the application process, but it was about four months I did it and I sent it in to our uh, church headquarters in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I, I think it was a couple of weeks before I got uh, my response where I was going to serve. And it said that I will be serving in California, specifically in San Jose, speaking Spanish. Being an introvert and deciding to serve a mission was terrifying. Augment that with having to speak to people in a different language. I was mortally terrified. Now, that didn't dissuade me from wanting to serve. I was just thinking, okay, a mission is going to be difficult, but okay, this is really going to be a, a challenge for me, having to learn another language. On top of living in the United States, where English is everywhere, and having to condition myself to learn Spanish to speak it. Now, learning or speaking in another language isn't something where, you know, the church gives you a dictionary or uh, some, you know, virtual tool and says, all right, get at it, go, go, go teach. Like, no, there is a formal process for it, a rigorous process to be prepared to speak and teach in a different language. And that happens in the Missionary Training Center or MTC. So once I got my call to serve in California, I had about nine weeks to prepare. Oh, I forgot. Fi finances. So serving a mission isn't free. I forget what the rate is a month if you break it down. But if you have a desire to serve a mission and you don't have the money to pay, the church isn't going to deny your application. That, that doesn't happen. What they would encourage you to do is to work. If you're able to work, capable of working, and you don't already have a job, then you get a job. You make money what way you can, save up what you can, be diligent at it, and you use what you make to help pay for it. And anything that's left over is paid by uh, your congregation or family. So that is how it works. Now, I was fortunate to save up about 95%. I don't, I don't remember what the total was or how much you have to pay now. Providing for missionaries who don't have an income, you know, it's all free, it's volunteer, you know, it costs a lot of money because they need to be housed, for example. Uh, modes of transportation provided. I remember we had gas cards in our mission. It was California, so, you know, it was like 11 or $12 a gallon. Of course, I'm being facetious, but it was ridiculous then, just like it is now. But if you have desire and you save up what you can then the church will make up the difference. They just want to make sure you're, that's another um, way for them to know you're committed. Also, you know, getting a, a work ethic or quality of work is very helpful to carry on to your mission. I had a job doing fast food, as you recall in a previous uh, podcast, or one of my first episodes, and that job helped me save up a lot of money. But anyway, so that's the finances. You save up what you can, and your congregation, family, and others help pay the difference. The church is set up like that. Everyone who wants to serve is going to serve. So after nine weeks, I ended up uh, traveling to Provo, Utah, which is where the Missionary Training Center is located, the main one. 
Now, I had said goodbye to my parents, you know, where I had been living, and a couple of my siblings took me to the MTC. All of the new missionaries are brought there, and they give a, it was like a kind of like a devotional, just uh, welcoming us to the MTC, and then they close, and we say goodbye to our family, so one of my brothers and sisters were, were there, so I got to say goodbye to them. They exited through one door, and the newbies went out a different door. That was one of the most surreal moments of my life, walking through that door, because I'm like, this is it. This is it. Typically, I was someone who would get homesick. It was difficult for me to adjust to change. Like when my siblings would leave for college or they get married, having those changes was always difficult for me, especially when I was younger. It all went away and hasn't come back since. That a new venture in life or a change happens, I'm okay with it. I think that's that was... A good moment of growth and it's something that I am grateful to have experienced at that time because it gave me greater faith and confidence that I can do this I can take this next step the next step being being in the missionary training center for nine weeks after this devotional all the new missionaries including myself we went through a score of other meetings other gatherings we had to get our name tags we had to meet our companions. We had to go in our districts. We were given lots of packets and booklets to study. Because in the MTC, just like in our church, everything is very organized. It's very structured. And the MTC was broken down into districts. Each district was made up of, you know, X number of missionaries, whatever, you know, whatever it was. And each district had leaders. Uh, our district, how they set it up, like if you are going to serve to speak Mandarin, then your district, everyone will, will be learning that language. So everyone in my district was learning Spanish. So we all were together for the first time, and we all looked like deer in the headlights. I could feel it. It was palpable. But uh, earlier I talked about meeting our companions. So serving a mission, you are never alone. You always have someone with you. So men are paired with men. Women are paired with women. That's how it works. But my companion I met from Idaho, and I could tell he was an extrovert immediately. And I'm sure he could tell I was an introvert, that our interests could not be any different. We met in the middle because we were going to serve a mission, learning Spanish. It was new things. And which, again, on a broader scale, that brought a lot of comfort to me, that everyone I was with was new, fresh, didn't really know what was going on. That gave me pause and to really think about. I'm in a group of like-minded individuals, but beyond that, we all are new at this and unsure, maybe a little scared. But, you know, we have each other, and we grow together, we learn together. And that was something I took throughout the MTC experience. But anyway, we're given our, our companions, and companions never leave your side unless you're meeting with an ecclesiastical leader, like an interview, or if you have to, you know, you're in the bathroom. Obviously, there are those moments where you need, you need to be alone. But aside from that, you're always together, and I'll get into the reasons, you know, that is in my in my next podcast episode, which I'll, I'll talk about actually being 
serving my mission in California. But taking a big step back, we were all organized. Again, we had lots of meetings, lots of learning materials. There was a particular classroom that our district met in. It was very much like a college. The field was very much like a university where we had instructors who would teach us the language. And these instructors had served a mission speaking the language you're hoping to learn. So my instructors, one had served in Argentina and another had served in Spain. So their version, their uh, accents were different. Spanish was the same, but their accents were very unique. And again, that's something I'll get into in my next podcast episode because that kind of caused some uh, issues for me uh, early on in my mission. But anyway, there are instructors and our schedule at the MTC was incredibly rigid. It didn't give you much any time to really think about home, even if you wanted to. It was a literal crash course. Think about taking any language from grade school or high school that you learn. For me, I I did French from seventh grade until I think my sophomore year. And I used none of it in in my day-to-day exchanges. But regardless, if you took Spanish, Spanish 1 up to Spanish 5, I think there's a Spanish 6 even, imagine those courses and all of that content, learning it in about two months. That's what we did. In six to eight weeks, you learn all there is to know about Spanish grammar, vocabulary, verbs, um, discussions, teaching, uh, exchanging pleasantries, um, saying prayers, bearing your testimony to people, reading, understanding, pronunciation, like all of that in under two months. It was crazy. And I despised formal education. And I didn't despise this. It was just like, okay, this is going to be difficult because I'm not fully used to this aggressive form of, uh, of teaching or instructing but it's towards something that I want, that I need. And that made all the difference with me learning Spanish in the MTC compared to grade school. And so we, would, we had a very rigid schedule. We had, uh, you know, the whole MTC would meet a couple times a week. Um, Sabbath observance was still, you know, the same. We'd, we'd have our, uh, our own little congregations that we'd meet together. We'd have study time. We'd have fitness time. The MTC has a ginormous gym and a huge track at the top at least at the time it did where you could run and there were there were a bunch of weights up there so always encouraging us to be active so when we would go to the gym we had to be doing something (laughs) either you're playing basketball or volleyball or you're running or you're weightlifting whatever it is they want you to be active they want you to not be dormant so or stagnant and i I enjoyed it i wasn't the most active person but the mtc i really was i enjoyed running we play volleyball all the time i think i did some weights but anyway it was very rewarding and of course you eat i don't need to get into that other than i loved the mtc food some people don't but i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it very much but our instructors would come in on certain days of the week and we'd have two to three hour lessons with them. And we'd learn, like I went over before, everything that we needed to know to speak Spanish, to understand Spanish, to read Spanish, to teach in Spanish, etc. Now, we weren't proficient in the language by far. We, The most 
practice we could get outside of personal study and practicing with each other, the MTC sets up uh, kind of like mock gatherings with people who speak your language that you're learning, and you get to practice teaching to them. So it was like a live engagement with people, and they can give feedback on you know what you did good, what th- things you needed to improve on. So that it was all very rewarding. And we did have some computer applications that we would uh, review, and I, I'm sure it's very different now. It's constant learning, constant engagement. With that being said, all of that was done within the missionary schedule. Now, the missionary schedule, daily schedule, seven days a week. A missionary is a missionary for two years or 24 months from 6.30 a.m. when you wake up to 10.30 p.m. when your head is on your pillow. You are active. Obviously, there's personal preparation time for the day and there's meals. But for all intents and purposes, from about 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., you're out of the house or the apartment for seven days a week for two years. That's your life. That's your commit. You committed. You wanted to do this. You And so you're doing it. And this is a schedule you have to follow because it's easy for any of us in downtime or where things get a little easy for us, we get kind of lazy or we get a bit negligent on responsibilities. But a mission makes it close to impossible for that to happen. And it's a good thing because you're representing something much bigger and higher than you, and that needs to show. That commitment needs to show. And showing that commitment, not just it, it helps you be a more convincing witness of what you're talking about because you're actually living what you're preaching. If you're not living what you're preaching, then you have no business being a missionary, and you'll be pointed out very quickly, either by an ecclesiastical leader or your companions. They're going to notice it really quickly. So serving a mission is very important. It's voluntary. And it has its own rewards that are specific for each missionary. I had specific rewards or blessings given to me that are without price. Going back to the MTC, I was there for about nine weeks. Every week we had the privilege of seeing one of our ecclesiastical leaders come and give a fireside talk. And it was always very cool being together with all the thousands of missionaries. I forget what the number is but there's thousands of missionaries and when we sing together that was always very rewarding and those familiar with the song called to serve and there was some other hymns where just hearing it with thousands of people just was an incredible experience and i wasn't one for singing but i enjoyed at that at that time you know singing but with anything there's an end and after nine weeks we were all, you know, my companion and I and those in our district and other missionaries, we were ready to go. Now, I did say nine weeks. That's how long I was there. So if you're going to speak English somewhere, like in like United States, then I believe now it's two weeks for, at the time it was three weeks, where the missionary just understand, learns the mission rules, conduct, they learn the lessons they'll be teaching and other things, and then they go. But for those learning a language like I had to, I had to be there for long enough to under, to be grounded, to have a foundation in the language so that in the mission I can quickly learn and build off of what I had learned uh, from the MTC. And that just goes with talking to people, making mistakes, and just doing doing your best and constantly speaking your language as much as possible. And I'll get into that in my other podcast episode. But there... 
other missionaries that spoke other languages were there for 12 weeks. I think, I forget which language it was, but I want to say one was there for 15 weeks. Especially if you're serving in a different country, then the learning is augmented by understanding local cultures or customs, currency, for example, maybe some laws where proselyting has some restrictions on it. So there's things that you also have to understand at the MTC before you go. But after those nine weeks, it was ready to ready for me to depart. And my companion and I and two other missionaries were heading to the same mission. So we were going to San Jose, California. And the San Jose mission at the time covered San Jose and went up to Newark and Fremont, all the way west to Watsonville, east to Hollister, and south you know, just past King City, I think it was just north of Paso Robles. So it was a, a very large mission. I'll get into that in my next episode. I just wanted to give a background of what it takes to prepare to be a missionary, the MTC experience, and just understanding that there's a whole world of missionary work that I don't believe is spoken about too much. The spiritual side, of course, is top-notch. It's, it's the penultimate aspect of being a missionary is the spiritual side. But we're all human. We're all learning. We all make mistakes. There's changes in our lives that we sometimes you don't have a choice. You need to go with the change. And in time, you see the blessings or the benefits of making those changes, seeing that growth and stretching yourself to a point you didn't know you could stretch yourself to. And I'll get into that in my next podcast. I've said that like four or five times already. I'm sorry. But with that, I thank you for listening. And I hope to catch you in part two talking about my missionary service in the actual mission field, is what we called it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you later.